Uh-uh, y'all are nosy. <laughs> this is Justin, and you're listening to So Curious About, and this week I'm doing a very special episode where you all, the audience, get to ask me anything about creativity and career. And let me tell you, y'all were so curious about work-life balance, conquering self-doubt, and how to build a creative practice. So I want you to pretend like we're on a one-on-one date, we're having a little coffee catch-up, just me and you, talking about life and work. And I've got my cold brew, no sugar, no milk, and we're going to chop it up for a bit. But before we dive in, let's get real for a moment. Life isn't just a series of straightforward answers, is it? It's this beautifully intricate tapestry of experiences, uncertainties, and moments that challenge us to grow. And that's why I'm here, to tell you about my experiences and maybe, just maybe, help us all find a little more clarity, a sprinkle of joy, or a dash of inspiration. Because your boy doesn't have all the answers. I have no interest in being anybody's guru. I'm just a normal human being figuring it out as I go. And I'm hopeful that like by talking about it, by having public discourse, we will be able to grow together. Okay, let's dive in. Ooh, okay, first question. Rodney asked, how have you as a working creative professional found balance between your passions and your relationship with money and finances? How do you make the right choices when you have to make money, you have to be creative, and you have to take care of yourself? Ooh, Rodney. Um, Wow. (laughs) I wanted to start here so I can contextualize what I do and who I am. And specifically, I wanted to demystify my online presence versus my real life experience. I feel like that's a thing that happens. It's like, because... Social media leads to this parasocial relationship. You only see a small aspect of someone's life. And a little bit of my goal today is to to, to peel back uh, the glossy veneer so you can see um, a little bit behind the scenes of who I am as a creative individual in the world. So professionally, I'm a creative director. I lead creative teams of copywriters, art directors and designers to develop campaign creative for clients. Uh, Most recently, the majority of my time has been dedicated to working on campaigns and branding for public health causes in the mental health space. And um, in the immediate sense, I've been really focused on this suicide prevention campaign. This is a space that I'm really passionate about. And it, it, it really is one of the first times in my career where I feel like my personal interests like fully overlap with my professional Um, experience and goals. Now, outside of that, I also do some creative consulting for small independent businesses, and I'm recently really energized with doing more career coaching for creative people. Like, because I've worked in the industry so long, I I like being able to provide some of my expertise to people that, you know, want to transition into a creative career, or if you're trying to move up the career ladder, or if you're trying to figure out how to have more work-life harmony. So that's professional, Justin, like how I actually make money in the world so I can afford these expensive apartment prices in Austin, Texas. But then there's a whole other side of me. And I think that's the side of me that most people, at least those that follow me on the Internet, know me for. And that's as a mental health advocate, a writer, an illustrator. 
Um, I started illustrating the things I was learning in therapy and it's grown into this newsletter called the weekly reset. Um, I have a vibrant Instagram account. Y'all can go follow me at uh, Justin made that. And then of course this podcast you're listening to, and it all lives under the so curious brand. Now, this is basically my passion project. Like I, I love it. It makes a little bit of money, but like I do it because it lights my soul on fire to share the things I'm working through or struggling with because I have a very singular goal. I want to encourage all people, but especially POC and the LGBT plus community to make space for deep self-reflection. And beyond that, I'm really encouraging people directly to go to therapy and counseling. There is still so much stigma around seeking mental health support. And I want to literally shout from the rooftop that we all need and deserve that support. Life is hard and we all hold on to so much pain and trauma. It's like lives in our bodies. And I think the the reason that I'm so passionate about therapy and counseling is that there are trained mental health professionals that can help us untangle those bits and pieces so we can live a more joyful life. So going back to the question, how do I balance it all? Like my professional goals, my passion project, and then my need to just like take care of my body. Now, for me, I know I need to make X amount every month to live comfortably. So that's a non-negotiable. Now, your boy is great at living beneath his means and prioritizing saving money for rainy days, but I got to make this amount so I can live comfy, comfy. But then I also know I have to make things very frequently. I draw a write just about every single day. And honestly, most days I'm drawing and writing. But there have been times in my life where I put my personal creative expression on the back burner because I was too busy at work or I was overcommitted with kind of extracurricular activities. And those were the most challenging times of my life because I was not living within my passion and purpose. And it's so simple. My purpose is to create and share. That's it. I don't even think it's, it's specifically relegated to creating and sharing about mental health. I think my purpose in life is to create things and share them with the world. So even if it doesn't make a single dollar, I have to do it because that's why I'm here on this earth. Now, sometimes I do make money from it and that's awesome, but I have another way to make money because I don't want my passion to die because it also needs to support me financially. And so I think the core piece of wisdom, at least from my lived experience, is that you got to make money. We live in a capitalist society and rent or your mortgage is due on the first of the month and it is late on the fifth. So you have to be a responsible adult. You have to handle your business, but also you need to make room for your passion and your purpose. And that means dedicating time to it and committing to it fully, whether it makes you money or not. And that's actually the perfect dovetail into the second question. Allison asked, how did you find your purpose? I don't even know where to start. So uh, part of the reason why I'm such a proponent of deep self-reflection is because I think all of the answers to the most important questions already live inside of ourselves. We just have to dig deep enough to find them like intuitively I have known since the beginning of my life what I am supposed to do because it's always been inside of me 
And I've gotten tiny glimpses of that throughout my lived experience. And I, I, I genuinely believe that this is true for everyone. I actually, I want to do a full episode around finding your purpose because this is a really meaningful path to, to tapping into who you are and who you want to be. And it's actually a really big section in the Reset Workbook, my guided journal that comes out in December 2023. But here's a little cute sneak peek of uh, some of what's inside of there and some that's living inside of my brain as I continue to percolate on what it means to find your purpose. So there's this Japanese concept called Ikigai meaning reason for being and please don't at me like I'm doing my best with the pronunciation uh, if you want to kindly correct me I will accept it um, but you know I think it's pronounced ikigai <laughs> um, and what I like about ikigai is that this framework feels really appropriate to finding your purpose there are a few pieces of it that I might not fully agree with but like I think the nugget of wisdom is 100% true. So you ask yourself some questions. Um, the first question is, what do you love doing? The second question is, what are you good at? The third question, what does the world need? And the fourth question, what can you be paid for? And the thing is, the answer that fits into all four of these categories when you answer these questions, that is your purpose. Now, it's worth noting, and I mentioned this earlier, your purpose doesn't have to be monetized. And I want to say that again uh, for the people in the back. You do not have to monetize your purpose. And that's like a little bit of my challenge with the Ikigai framework, even though I love it so much, um, because I think most people should not monetize their purpose because money can be this distraction for so many of us. It will get in the way of us doing what we need to do because we'll change our focus to doing what will make us more money. And so I am a huge proponent of doing one thing that makes you money and doing one thing that aligns with your purpose. Some people will be able to overlap it, but not everybody will. And so, like, if you can't figure out a way to monetize your purpose, that's OK. Like, it's OK to have a passion. You know what I'm saying? And back to the question. The challenge with finding your purpose is that the best way to find it is to follow your curiosity. And this is where I think so many of us can get tripped up. Like you've got to try new hobbies. You've got to meet new people. You've got to learn new skills and you don't know what's going to fit until you do it. Now, the good news is deep down, we already know who we are. And most of us at four or five are already very much aligned with what our path should be. So because of that, you can go back to the things you enjoyed as a child. And very often your purpose will will be developed uh, by exploring those aspects of the childhood version of you and doing the things that you enjoyed the most when you were at such a young, tender age. So let me give you an example. Uh, when I was eight years old, I knew I wanted to be a creative director because I saw the movie Boomerang. And I'm sure I've mentioned that on this podcast or a blog post or some video or something. Um, but even before that, I intrinsically understood the power of words and pictures to change hearts and minds. So from the first time I put pen to paper, I knew that it had power. 
So I was making comics and greeting cards. And in the first grade, I created a little printed newsletter for the class. Like low key, it was kind of a gossip rag, but <laughs> it was like, what's the tea? What's the tea with um, Idlewild Elementary? Um, <laughs> um that's of us. I've I've been lucky enough to know who I was and what I wanted to do from a very young age. And even with that, I have still gotten off track. So like let's be clear, like <laughs> even when you know what your kind of path is, you can still have your own missteps and detours. And oftentimes I feel like those detours will will help lead you to where you're actually supposed to go. Now, I was lucky, though, because I knew what I wanted to do at a young age. And I also had a family that was pretty supportive. I had my mom and my sister and my aunties and my cousins encouraging that version of artist me, you know, even when they didn't fully understand it, like they definitely would give me funny looks or sometimes even laugh at some of the things I would make. But they also were the first to be like, okay, here are some new markers. Um, here are those drawing books you wanted. Oh my gosh. Christopher Hart makes these uh, drawing books that taught me how to draw. And when I tell you, it was the best day of the week when my mom walked in with a Christopher Hart book. Because she knew if she buys any Christopher Hart book, I'm going to be hype. I'm going to be hype, hype. Uh, drawing these little cartoon characters. And usually these little cartoon ladies... Um, Having the time of my life. <laughs> now, I think the second challenge that pops up when it comes to purpose, though, is that we can sometimes feel like it needs to be some big, bold, earth shattering thing. And I understand that feeling. Like when you answer those questions, what do you love doing? What are you good at? What does the world need? And what can you be paid for? I feel like. A lot of us can get stuck on what does the world need? That feels so big and scary and overwhelming. But like, let's take one one small example. The world needs a lot. Like the world needs a whole lot. Like we need big things like equality and universal health care and a higher minimum wage or just a livable wage, period. We need the apartment prices to go down in Austin, Texas and also the rest of the world. Uh <laughs> And that stuff, I might not be able to make a meaningful dent in my lifetime as a single individual. But the world also needs more kindness. The world needs more joy. People need a reminder to laugh and smile and not take everything so seriously. And no single one of us is on the hook to change the whole world in those ways. But we can start where we are with our city with our community or our friends and family. And that's enough. Being a loving and kind parent to a child has a ripple effect that could change the entire world for the better. Registering people in your city to vote could have significant impact in a future election. Being the person in your friend group that hosts gatherings can help people feel less alone. That's meaningful work that the world actually needs. It's small, but it's mighty. And the thing is, if more people were really paying attention to what they love doing, what they're good at, and what the world needs, I genuinely think the world would be better. 
I feel like I was on there for like a, a hot minute. So <laughs> I'm going to bounce to the next question. Renee asked, how do you keep making things? Uh, what do you think you're doing that keeps you innovative? I've been creating things for the internet for as long as I can imagine. And I think the reason I'm able to create so many things is because I wrap them into an idea that's bigger than one specific creative execution. So there's a big idea around the projects that I work on. And then the idea can come to life in all these different ways that support that big idea. So, for example, uh, when I lived in New Orleans, I ran a publication called Go Invade. And my focus with this project was really about telling the stories of a changing city and giving a way to highlight the millennial creative community that was attracted to the most incredible city in the world. Shout out New Orleans. I miss you every single day. Um, that was the big idea. But then I would execute these smaller creative projects that aligned with that that bigger idea. So there was an interview series with creative professionals. There was a weekly newsletter that highlighted things to do in the city. Um, I, I did like a quarterly print publication. A few times a year I would host these events. Um, but each one was a piece of a greater narrative. And I think because all of the individual creative executions would ladder up to the big idea, it will have this more significant impact and honestly keep me interested because like I had something big that I was working towards, but I saw it as tiny little chunks of time leading up to this, this greater goal. And actually that's another way to think about it. You could you could think about um, creative projects or any sort of thing that you want to accomplish as a chunk of time. Like, could I do this for 30 days? Could I do this for three months? Could I do this for six months? Could I do this for two years? You know, like thinking about frame of time and aligning on the commitment that it would take to do that thing is also a really great way to stay productive because everything involves energy and we have to understand that we go through these cycles of life. So an example for me, I did this 30 day challenge um, where I was posting Instagram reels every day for 30 days. So that was like an example of a 30 day challenge for me wanted a product and I decided that I was willing to commit three months to launching that that product and so that's how we got to Joy Bomb's affirmation cards and Joy Bomb's affirmation cards kind of ladder up to this this bigger intentional goal of how do I spread joy in the world on on a larger scale I got two more examples I think that fit into this so I was like, do I want to spend a year trying to launch a conference? And so I did that with my co-founders when we launched the Venture Pop Conference in New Orleans. And so I ended up working on that project for two years. But like the initial time investment was like, hey, do I want to do this for a year? Like, do I want to commit? And ironically, So Curious really came from the hyper specific goal of writing 365 inspirational messages for people I knew I couldn't commit to doing it daily like that felt overwhelming. But my assumption was that if I worked on the project for five years, I would be able to write the 365 inspirational messages. And eventually I would bind all that together and publish a book. 
And ironically, on the path to that, I kind of found a new passion and ended up getting a book deal for the guided journal, the reset workbook that comes out in December. So for me, at least, I, I just follow my passion. I create and I share publicly because that is my purpose. And I try to do it for extended periods of time, like one month, three months, a year, two years. And you just commit to it. And then after you like honor the commitment you made, you just have to decide if you want to continue it. Now, there is a confession here that's worth noting. I have these sparks of ideas that I often let die off because I'm committed to these bigger missions, right? And if I'm honest, sometimes that bums me out. Like recently I drew a version of um, Barbie leading up to that movie release. You know, everybody was so excited about Barbie, myself included, because I'm a, a millennial it girl. Uh, <laughs> I'm not an it girl at all. Uh, <laughs> that movie was great. I wrote a whole essay about this Barbie movie that I felt like I couldn't share with the world because the movie was low-key problematic in some ways. Um, I don't even know. Whatever. So I drew my version of the Barbies leading up to the movie release, and I called them Blarbies. And when I tell you this was one of the most fun tasks I've done in a long time because I was drawing just for the sake of drawing. There was no bigger goal coming from me. It was just like, I want to do this project. It'd be fun um, to, to make this thing. And so I made the one Instagram post and then I was like looking at the illustrations that I made. I was like, oh my goodness, like it'd be funny if I added taglines and what if I made more outfits? Like this could turn into something way bigger. Like I can come up with a bomb name for them. And then I was like, wait, I could maybe like expand this into a mobile game. But then I looked at my current schedule and I was like, dang, like there's only so much time in the day and I only have so much energy. And unfortunately, I can't chase every single creative whim because I also want to make enough money to support these high ass rent costs in Austin. Um, <laughs> why is rent so high? But that's OK. Because also I have the opportunity to work on it slowly in the back burner or I can prioritize it at a later date when my schedule frees up. The thing is, is you really have to choose the time, make the commitment and follow through and you can kind of achieve anything. And I think thinking of it as like project based commitments that last a specific amount of time, that's what really kind of leads me um, to 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 doing so much creative work oh my goodness wait that was like three of the 10 questions and um this episode is already long like <laughs> like it's um ooh, we gotta stop uh <laughs> i guess this is going to have to be a recurring series and actually i really enjoyed answering these questions okay do me a favor if you have a question you'd like me to answer on this podcast, you can email me directly at justin at socurious.co. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please tell one friend about it. Share it with one friend so we can grow. Um, at the time of recording this, we just crossed over 100 downloads of the podcast. And I know that's super duper low, like in comparison to some of these big podcasts. But for me, your boy celebrates everything and I'm celebrating you for listening. Thank you. Um, yeah, let's get coffee like next month. <laughs> Bye.